Hey there, thoughtful listener. What is your number one lead generation blocker? Head to upmyinfluence.com slash quiz to find out right now. That's upmyinfluence.com slash quiz, and I'll share why you aren't getting the intros and sales you deserve. We're also actively seeking guests for this daily commercial-free entrepreneur wisdom podcast. Agency owners, consultants, coaches, and B2B service providers, head to upmyinfluence.com slash guest, and I'd love to promote your expertise to our amazing audience. Let's get on with the show. With us right now is entrepreneur, investor, and do-gooder, Brent Freeman. Brent, you are also the founder and president of Stealth Venture Labs, and you are found on the web at stealthventurelabs.com, and of course, your personal website, brentfreeman.me. Brent, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, buddy. Good to be here. All right. I, I'll let you give an overview of what you do. I just kind of gave the, the very cursory intro. Maybe you could kind of fill in the uh, fill in the lines for us. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm a I'm a digital marketing entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur. I've been doing uh, business here for about 15 years. Um, I have co-founded or founded probably north of 20 companies, everywhere from commodities, import, export, all the way through to pasta making experiences with Italian grandmothers and everything in between. Um, my core focus this day is Stealth uh, Venture Labs, which is we are a digital marketing firm that focuses on accelerating brand growth, uh, e-commerce D2C brand growth online through digital media ads. Um, we have a what we call Founder Lab, which is an incubator. We help founders take products to market as well as bring our own. And then we have our impact lab, which is uh, our social enterprise arm. And we teach uh, disadvantaged youth how to do all of the things we do in our for-profit through an online course and a mentorship program and a bunch of other kind of thought leadership stuff around how to use your business to create social impact. And so Stealth Venture Labs really is a a holding company. Growth Lab is our agency. Founder Lab is our incubator. Impact Lab is our social good arm. Uh, And so that's high level a little bit about about me, uh, you know, in terms of my professional career. I've been doing this a long time. Uh, I've been in the VC world, angel investment world. Like I said, I've, I've failed more times than I can count, <laughs> failed my way to quote unquote success. And uh, I'm really focused as an entrepreneur and not on uh, taking shots at the fences like the, uh, you know, the, the grand slam uh, billion dollar market cap feast or famine. I did that um, and, and had a, a company uh, fail out uh, wildly. I'm really focused on lifestyle design and um, on building value in real businesses and customer acquisition costs, lifetime value ratios, um, as well as making sure that I enjoy uh, the journey that I'm in along the way, not just planning for a one day, but having that one day be two day. Um, so high level, a little bit about me. Yeah, well, so I'd love for you to share uh, maybe some of the companies that you've worked with, some of the alumni that have been through Stealth Venture Labs, because uh, there's a couple that uh, have some name recognition. <laughs> yeah, you, we've done, we've done some cool you, work. You've over knocked a few, a few of these have been, not, you know, grand slams. Yeah, thanks, man. Ironically, we've had a, we've had a couple of those. So um, one of our, our early successes in Stealth Venture Labs was a company called Home Chef meal kit delivery brand. Um, they were uh, late kind of to the game, but weight brand and those, those brands were, were earlier. Um, and we helped them go from 5 million in annual revenue to 100 million in annual revenue in about 12 months. And then they uh, took that ball and ran with it and sold to Kroger for about 700 million. Um, no kidding. Yeah, that was a wild ride. 
wild ride. They did a hell of a job um, um, on the operation side as we kind of ramped up the marketing and then the, helped them hire and build a team in-house to replace us over time. Um, and then we did the same thing again a couple of years ago with a company called Factor 75, um, uh, ready to eat meal uh, kit. Uh, you don't cook it. It shows up at your, your door already ready to, uh, ready to eat. And then that sold to HelloFresh. Um, and um, we now work with uh, the HelloFresh group and, and all their brands um, uh, kind of across the board in various different mm -hmm. markets. All the way down to brands like Evite and Poopery and um, uh, big brands that we've all heard of direct to consumer all the way down to brands you've never heard of that are really uh, crushing it. Um, and then brands in between up and comers. One of our big clients is a company called Mudwater, a coffee alternative uh, as well. And, and so um, we do uh, a lot of uh, a lot of work helping uh, e-commerce companies scale through growth plateaus um, yeah. because I was an e-commerce operator myself. I was really frustrated by the, the digital marketing agency model. Um, I built an engine in-house when I was running my own brand. And um, by the time we kind of cracked that code and I went through all the trials and tribulations of hiring and firing, uh, we ran out of money. We weren't able to raise our next round. And so I was determined to not make that mistake. And so I started Stealth Venture Labs to be exactly what it sounds like, behind the scenes, secret weapon for founders and entrepreneurs to, to scale and grow through growth plateaus. We, we don't want to be uh, the biggest. We, our focus is to try to be the best. So, um, uh, and that's, that's what we do. So it's, it's companies that are kind of stuck um, trying to get you know, growth uh, into the next phase. It's usually step function growth. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and then founders, who have ideas and want to bring it to market and find their first kind of million dollars in revenue um, in our incubator and in our founder lab, we call it, uh, we help companies come to market, start our own as well as help brands come to market. And uh, an example of that is uh, we helped Kevin Hart, uh, the actor comedian, um, take a, uh, a supplement brand he had called Vita Hustle and bring that to market. And that's uh, one of our projects now. So we, we have a lot of experience. We've been doing this a long time, quiet behind the scenes uh, crew. You know, Cobbler has no shoes. We don't do a lot of marketing for ourselves. It's mostly <laughs> referral-based business um, and things like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, just talking specifically about e-com and some of those growth hurdles that happen or, or those kind of those plateaus, what are maybe one or two of those very common where it's like they, they're grow, 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 and all of a sudden they hit that wall. What, what are some of those very common walls that you've seen in e-com? Um, the first is establishing your, your product market fit, your, your first kind of thousand customers, you know, at a reasonable customer acquisition cost and, and method. I mean, the, it's like you have a business idea, a business hypothesis, and then you have business realities. And those two things are very, very different. And so hurdle number one is taking an idea, translating it into uh, an actual product and bringing it to market. That's just getting it to market is a hurdle. And then once it's in market, actually getting people to buy it at a rate um, that is reasonable to acquire. Um, and that that right there is where a lot of companies die on the vine. Um, yeah. They don't ever get to that first, it could be a thousand, two thousand, five hundred depends on the price point, um, customers that allow them to say, yep, people want this. Um, and they want this in, in enough of a rate where we think we can scale this over time. So that's one, that's kind of first step function hurdles or step one and two. Um, and then after that, it's really kind of getting to your first million in revenue um, because everything changes after that, right? The, the zero to one, get your first hundred, $200,000 of revenue. That shows you have something, but getting into that next million dollar uh, run rate uh, of revenue shows that you have something that can try to scale. How big of scale? Unclear, uh, but uh, can start to actually scale into a more sustainable business. And everything changes, your personnel, your um, uh, the amount, the entrepreneur can do and get done in per day versus having to delegate and elevate to their team members, to your customer acquisition costs, 
a lot of times people think that, oh, as I grow and scale, my acquisition costs will become cheaper because I'll get better at it. It's the opposite. As you grow and scale, your early adopters are your cheapest and your most effective customers. The concentric rings thereafter actually become more and more and more expensive. Wow. So you have to diversify your channels and increase uh, your lifetime value to combat that as there's outward pressure on your uh, demand curve uh, of your of your customers or your, your customer acquisition costs. You need to match that with um, increasing your ability to pay more for customers. So these this is what happens kind of in that, that um, zero to a million dollars in revenue. And then it's like five million. 10 million, 20 million, 50 million. It's kind of in those, those revenue curves. Sometimes a brand who has just their tail on fire and they can do no harm, they blow through all of those and in one phase because they have such product market fit. Uh, but uh, oftentimes it, uh, it is step function and you, you hit your head and you, what did work, what got you to where you are, people, processes, marketing is not going to get you where you need to go. Yeah. Um, talk about the relationship. I'm, I'm really curious about this. The relationship with your customers early versus how that might evolve as well. Because I'm thinking of, man, those first like 100, 500,000 customers, like, I mean, th- those are some pretty special people. Yeah, they are. Those are, those are the early adopters that are not afraid um, to take the risk on a new brand to try something you're doing. And they're a really good test group to uh, listen to. And you have to be conscious of how big is your your population um, of what you listen to. The crankiest customers complain the loudest, which don't mean, doesn't mean that is it is necessarily statistically relevant. Um, however, it, it does, it's really important to listen to your early customers because they're giving you real market feedback early on about how market is receiving your product or not. And so it's a delicate balance of not pandering or knee-jerk reaction to one bad customer experience, but to see, is this a trend? If you have, let's say, 100 customers and 10 are saying this, it's probably pretty relevant. If you have 100 customers and there's one person saying something that a bad experience, look, maybe look into it, make sure it's not a larger systemic issue, but it may not be pervasive. And so those early customers are your, you know, your, <laughs> your, your first early adopters that allow you to get a, a market pulse um, and they should give you a sense of, uh, of, of, do we have product market fit or not? And in an MVP, a minimum viable product uh, type of an environment, release quick, release often, take your hypothesis, get it out there, test it, try it, break things, see what people want, test the price, the promotion, the positioning, rinse, repeat on all of those. And then ultimately it comes down to how much does it cost to acquire a customer? And how much do we think we're going to make over the lifetime value LTV of that customer? And those early those early customers should be should be a strong indicator uh, of of success uh, for the future. And, and we're recording this interview, or in the, you know, in the middle of 2022. And um, you know what what I mean, obviously, uh, the past couple of years have been uh, quite transformative for the market. Um, but, but what have been some of the key learnings of where we are today and how are we different today than we were say three years ago, if we're talking specifically about e-com and a lot of the companies that, that you, uh, tend to mentor around. Josh, we do not have enough hours in the day to discuss yeah. all those things, but you know, if, if you, if you think about it, so I'll work my way backwards from like where we are today. I think we're June 28, okay? June 28, 2022. Today, what's happening is it is very expensive to acquire a customer online. 
summer and e-commerce is generally pretty slow. Summer and e-commerce post, post in quotes, COVID, where people are traveling again, eating out again, enjoying again, um, is becoming a very volatile uh, environment. Tack on top of that iOS 14 and privacy and tracking uh, gaps that have, have rolled out. And you create a really difficult environment for new brands to come to market in a profitable manner established brands who have momentum and data and own audience and multiple channels, they're getting hit too, but it, they're feeling it less as a business than those who only have a 10 or $20,000 a month marketing budget versus one to 2 million. And so it, 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 right now what's happening is we're, we're in this environment where the world tilted on its axis the last two years um, and people, uh, the consumer behavior has shifted and changed in a manner that is as accelerated online behavior behavior even more. However, we're in a little bit of a pendulum swing back moment where people are outdoors doing things more back again than they normally typically would in like a normal e-commerce year. And so we're in a little bit of a pendulum swinging side of things mm. where um, I think next year it's going to come back to the new normal, but the new normal is, is, is changed. You know, I was talking about the CPI, uh, the, the inflation with a, with a friend a moment ago, we were talking about, you know, they say inflation was at an all-time high, 7% la- that's, it hasn't been a 7% increase for me. It's been like a 20 or 30% increase yeah, mm-hmm. across the board. And when you come to media, sometimes in a 50% increase. And so we're dealing in this, this very, very um, weird market that is ripe with opportunity for the right people who know how to connect the dots. There's going to be a series of billion dollars and multi-million dollar businesses built over the next two to three years in Web3 and services and crypto and the metaverse and all these areas in analytics and tracking um, who see the turbulent choppy waters and don't run for, for clear cover and shores, but get in there and say, mm, I know how to swim. Right. And let's let's build as we go. So where we are today is, is a changing time where the pendulum swinging back. There's a lot of challenges and tracking and understanding how to be nimble. Um, but if you go back for the last last three years, it's not so different than it was March 2020, March 2020, when everything shut down, there was widespread instantaneous panic. You know, we lost about 30 plus percent of our business overnight, not knowing what we're going to do, not wearing, knowing is it going to go more, where this is going to go. Now, fast forward to today, we're in market turbulence where SaaS valuations have wiped 50 percent off the board. The stock market's crashing, Bitcoin's down and it's panic, panic, panic. But, yeah. but the reality is if you go back in the history of anything, we go through cycles. There are, there are four seasons in the economy and we're in one of those winter seasons right now um, where we have to weather the storm. It's not time to sell uh, things. It's time to buy. It's time to build value. It's time to create. It's time to um, uh, say, yep, all of that noise is out there. It's not a problem. It's an opportunity. How do we take the market and do, do judo and turn it into the next, uh, you know, how do, how do we adapt? And, and so and so we're doing that as a, as a service company. We're doing that um, as product companies. One of our portfolio companies is called Nona Live. Nona Live, it is a online cooking school with Italian grandmothers teaching people yeah. how to <laughs> that live stream from Italy with real Italian grandmothers and a, a translator, their grandkid, um, a seven-figure business. So it's a real business, but it was all online in COVID, right? Now we've come back and we have five times as many people happening in person. Right. So how do we adapt now to a hybrid world um, and open it up to have a bigger market opportunities? Doesn't matter if you're a physical product, you're in person, you're making pastas with grandmother or you are doing digital ads. Right. It's, it's about adapting. And the last thing I'll say here is 
you know, there's a there's kind of an Eastern philosophy of Wu Wei. Are you familiar with with this? Wu no, Wei? no. Well, um, I am, but for someone else who's listening to us, who doesn't uh, yes, know, <laughs> uh, it's it's something that I I I only put I only put um, uh, understood kind of what this was over the last few years. Wu Wei basically just means. Um, it's the art of doing nothing. And it doesn't mean don't have aligned actions. It just means kind of surrendering to the market mm. rather than forcing. And anytime I find myself forcing something, yep. I, it's like grasping at sand. The harder you grasp, the more yep. it goes through your fingers. Yep. Wu Wei, all that means is like, take a step back, take a breather, get some white space, get out of the high beta brainwaves and stress and come down into a little more calmness, get out of the amygdala response and that fighter's flight get back into a little more creativity and then take a step. Don't wait too long. Don't wait too long. But at the same time, don't knee jerk reaction. It's just a little bit of surrendering to the market environment and trying to adapt for the new world that we're in. Yeah. I, uh, I, the princess Leia quote is coming to mind, but I can't uh, slipping through your fingers as the tighter you grasp Darth, <laughs> the more they just slip through your fingers. Um, so who at this point, Brent, um, would be appropriate to reach out to you and your team uh, at Stealth Venture and, and why and, and where might they fit potentially? So there's kind of two tracks on this. One is from a from a business perspective. If there's any uh, consumer brands, direct to consumer companies that are looking to scale or grow through uh, growth plateaus, either their in-house team no longer works or the agency they're working doesn't work or they don't have one and they're looking to scale and they're looking to, they have a product that has some traction, they need to get to the next level. Our team is excellent at that. Um, if somebody has an idea and they want to bring it to market and they have some budget of how they want to you know, do that, they're looking for a team to help them do that, we're also excellent at that. Um, and then the, the other track, you know, the other track is um, we, this now that the world's coming back, I'm starting to do more and more kind of public speaking, motivational speaking for companies and organizations traveling a little bit about the, what we talked about, about how do you take that step back um, and how do you focus on enjoying the journey, um, whether you're a professional, uh, an executive or an entrepreneur and not wait to the one day, um, uh, you know, to, to happen, but actually invest in it today. Yeah. Uh, and real-time fact-checking. Thank you. Uh, the more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, Princess Leia's talking to, uh, to, to, to Tarkin, uh, General Tarkin, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Trust the market. The market knows. The market is smarter than any entrepreneurial genius. That's right. So, Brent, uh, thank you so much. It's been a really valuable conversation. Stealth Venture labs.com. And then again, your personal website is at brentfreeman.me. Uh, you know, one thing I, I encourage our listener to do is, uh, Brent, is it, you, not only have you been involved in some great projects from a business perspective, uh, you've also been involved in uh, some great impact uh causes and, 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 and philanthropy. Um, do you mind just, since I put you on this, but do you mind mentioning that really quick? Yeah, Maybe to. some of the work that you've been able to do there? Totally. Uh, about 12, 13 years ago, I dedicated my life to using for-profit business to create social impact uh, from the inside out of the company of how we treat our team and our culture and things like uh, four months paid parental leave and 100% of health, vision and dental for our team and yeah. volunteer days and all that stuff, all the way through to how we use our profits, our resources and our, our, our professional expertise to give back to uh, disadvantaged teens and youth uh, across the United States all the way through to feeding people. We've, we've worked with Feeding America over the years. Um, we now have in our in our pasta business, a one-for-one -one model for every class we sell, we donate a meal to someone in need and we've donated tens of thousands of meals. Um, and so I really believe that 
uh, and we use our impact lab here at Stealth um, as the vehicle to, to do a lot of this stuff. Um, I, I really believe that it's our responsibility to embed cause into our cause yeah. and to yep. use that to create impact in the world. And so that's my mission um, as, a, as a for-profit social entrepreneur or when I, you know, 15 some odd years ago, I, I called that a philanthropreneur, but you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat on that number. It's just about making the difference. Yeah. Well, and congratulations as well for being named as one of uh, Inc.'s uh, uh, 475 best places to work in the United States. Uh, that's uh, quite an honor. So congratulations on that. Very much. Thank you so much. Brent Freeman, again, entrepreneur, investor, and do-gooder. And uh, again, the, uh, the, the um, Stealth Venture Labs, you're the founder and president. Thank you, Brent. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love, even if you just stop by to say hi, I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.